It's another Saturday morning at CCLN when we have a bit of a wine chat with our friend from Haskell's, Jack Farrell. Good morning, Jack. Morning, Denny. Welcome back. Well, thank you very much. I, I wanted to mention real quickly that uh, we visited just one place in Napa. I had never been to Napa before, unlike uh, you, but I was reminded of great trips we took. Uh, in fact, a couple of our travelers uh, came with us back when uh, yep. Ted and Bo were hosting our Sum, uh, Sonoma trip. We we want to do that. They, they requested I mention to you again, let's do it again. So maybe All that. right, let's do it. It'll be great All fun. Right. You know, that right. Napa is the most visited uh, tourist spot in all of California. It outpaces uh, Disneyland. So it's a, it's a wonderful place, tourist spot in all of California. It outpaces uh, Disneyland. So it's a, it's a wonderful place. It's sort of an adult Disneyland. And <clears throat> now that COVID has passed and all that, uh, they're very anxious to welcome visitors once again. So that's not a yeah, bad there idea. There's a lot, a lot of traffic coming in and out of these uh, different wineries. But what are we going to be talking about today? <laughs> well, you know, we're uh, talking about beating a dead horse. I get more questions about cork versus screw cap than anything else. And I thought I might give one final address to that. Which is better? Well, it really depends on the wine and the type of wine and all other things. We really must get used to different types of closures for wine. You know, today you can get a wine in a milk carton. You get wine, box wine that's covered in boxes. And box wine, incidentally, you know, keeps pretty well because the inside of that box is a plastic bladder. And as you draw the wine out, the bladder shrinks, so that never any exposure to air. And the reason that is, is air is the natural enemy of wine. In fact, uh, vinegar really literally translates in French, vin, wine, agar, sour. Vinegar is sour wine. And that's what happens when oxygen gets to that fresh young wine, and it oxidizes and turns into vinegar. And so the the idea of closures is to prevent that from happening. And, you know, it's very interesting when you go back to the history of closures with wine. The Greeks and the Romans aged wine, and that was sort of interesting because they aged them in clay amphora and floated oil on the top. Well, that oil on the top prevented any air from getting to the wine, and the amphora, those clay pots like you use for a flower pot, believe it or not, are porous enough that they lift a little air in, very little, but a little air, and that helps age the wine. So it was very common in ancient Rome to have very old wines, and that all of a sudden disappeared well beyond the Middle Ages, <laughs> started in maybe uh, the 1500s, late 1500s, people began to use cork. And cork was a marvelous thing. It's tree bark. In fact, they're called cork oaks. And it's a fascinating thing to absolutely observe when you see how they do it. The tree has to be at least nine years old. And then they cut the bark off. And uh, it isn't until the third cutting, and they do this every nine years. So the tree is over 27 years old by the time they really start to use that cork uh, for bottles. And cork closures 
account for about 80% of the pork production in the world. And when you think about that, that's a staggering figure because they use cork in everything. Uh, you use cork in women's shoes for soles. They use cork uh, still on fishing nets and things like that. So it, it is an amazing thing. And you watch them cut up these. Uh, it's really done mainly in Portugal. They're the biggest exporter of at least wine corks in the world. And uh, the Iberian Peninsula between Portugal and Spain accounts for about 80% of the production of cork in the world. And anyhow, they started to use corks on bottles. They, before they used corks, they would take a wooden peg and a cloth that was dipped in oil and put that in, in a bottle because they just started to use glass about the same time. And they discovered that's a pretty messy, sloppy way to seal it up. And some wags suggested quartz because it's a naturally renewable thing. They weren't talking about that in those days, but you could peel the bark on the tree and the bark would grow back. And it expanded, etc. And that cork expands enough to let just a tiny little bit of air into the wine, and that helps with the aging process. But now, having said that, you know, about 90% of the wine that is purchased in the United States is drunk within 24 hours of its purchase. And about 95% of the wine produced in the world is meant to be aged. The rest is meant to be drunk within the next immediate few years. So, uh, but if you're going to age wine, you've got to have a cork in the uh, closure because wines will not really age very well with a Stelvin or a screw cap closure. Uh, and you know, what brought on all this trouble was cork taint. And that was, for the last decade, it's been a problem. It's really cleared up in the last four or five years and is down to a normal amount, you know, which is about 1.5% of the wines that use corks get cork taint. But it, it had jumped up alarmingly to where they felt it was getting close to 10%. That's a lot of wine to be going bad. So uh, places like Australia and New Zealand hopped right on these Stelvin closures or screw caps. And today, almost 80%, again, of the wine in Australia is uh, sealed with a screw cap. And in New Zealand, it's even higher than that. It's in the mid-90s that it uh, uses the screw cap as a closure. And, of course, you know, part of the joy of wine is sensuality. And, you know, they, you can't help but when you hear the pop of a champagne cork, you know, to be anticipating that champagne a little bit, you know, your mouth might start to water a tad or, or you have an expectation you're going to get this nice treat, this, this sparkling wine after you heard the cork pop. Well, you don't obviously get that. But as I said, today, they're using so many things. We mentioned that wine in the box, the bladder inside. And, uh, of course, they have canned wine. You can get a can of wine just like a can of beer. And, and those all are very adequate and nice ways to have wine. Usually, wine like that is very inexpensive. However, there are exceptions. One of my favorite uh, Sauvignon Blancs in the entire world comes from New Zealand. It's called Cloudy Bay. And to show you how important it is, 
Moet and Hennessy a few years ago bought Cloudy Day. They try and buy the top brands and everything because they consider themselves a luxury house, Louis Vuitton, uh, Moet and Chandon, which is Dom Perignon, etc. And they bought Cloudy Bay. Again, it is a wonderful, wonderful Sauvignon Blanc. And it's expensive. It's over $50 a bottle. And it has a, a, a what do you call it, a Stelvin closure or a cork finish uh, or a screw cap finish. And because most of the wines from New Zealand have that. But again, those wines aren't meant to, you aren't meant to lay down and age um, Marlboro's Cloudy Bay Sauvignon Blanc. You want to have that and drink it right away. Uh, it, it's, that's what it's for. And that's why a lot of these new things, whether they're cans or milk cartons or whatever, are good to have because you can drink the wine up right away anyway. And they make it very convenient to carry wines and you don't have the trouble and hassle of having to take a corkscrew along. But what you really want, in my opinion, is uh, if it's an everyday drinking wine or something that's, say, under $30, there's absolutely nothing wrong with having a screw cap on it. it that's fine. It's great. Uh, a lot of my everyday wines are screw cap wines. But if you're going to take a wine and put it away for a while, you really want a cork in it. A good example of that was the other night a friend of mine said was this was born in 1970, and he found a bottle in my cellar of Chianti from 19. It was just a Village Chianti, nothing special about it at all. But we opened it up. Now, that was 53 years old from 1970, and the wine was remarkable. It was a lovely little wine. It wasn't like drinking 50-year-old Lafitte Rothschild, but it certainly was an interesting experience and a delicious one at that. So, you know, cork finish has got to have a place there, and there's good reason for it. Uh, you know, it's a, inexpensive, you know, good corks, real good long corks, like they put in all the first gross and the great red wines of the world, cost over 50 cents a piece. And, you know, the bottle can be expensive too. And so you really want to be careful on where you're going to use those expensive corks. And then, the, in my opinion, some of the closures, like uh, composite cork and those aren't really very good. Uh, I mean, if they'll work and everything else, but you don't get the same finish and you run the risk of the cork breaking, etc. when you have those composites. But a good cork from Portugal, like I say, can be very expensive, but it prevents cork taint because now they're treating the corks differently. And that was a big, big jump through when they changed how they treat and water, wash the cork board, etc., and it's cut down on cork taint just remarkably for all over the world. So it's really kind of nice. And, you know, another thing about, about the pros and cons, uh, cork is a natural, renewable resource. And uh, historically, it's preferred by most wine connoisseurs. However, like I say, if I consider myself a wine connoisseur, which I don't, I'm learning all the time and every day find out how little I really do know. But the idea is I like cork finish on a lot of wines. But as I said a moment ago, a lot of my everyday wines have a screw cap, and there's nothing wrong with it. You don't really have to look down your nose at screw caps. They have a place. 
and it's uh, wonderful to have that variety, in my opinion, of different containers for wine. And uh, so, you know, whether you are crazy about corks or not so crazy about corks, it really doesn't make a bit of a difference unless you get a wine that's kind of expensive and a wine you want to sell her away uh, for a special occasion. Then you should really look at cork wines. And I hope that finally clears up the conversation and the controversy about corks versus screw cap. There's a place for both of them, and they're both good ways to seal a bottle of wine. But the best way, of course, is just to drink it all. Absolutely. You don't, you don't need to put, <laughs> when in put doubt. the cork back uh, in. Some great information, as as usual, Jack. And folks are, are writing texts in about various questions, and I, I say talk to any of the folks at Haskell's. They know their stuff, and they can help you out. They love to talk about wine at Haskell's, and they're good at it. They, and we do a lot of things with wine. Uh, you know, for example, we evaluate wines. People want their wines evaluated. We move cellars. We have storage cellars for people who want to store their wine while they're moving or going abroad or something like that. And we move wine cellars from one house to another. So Haskell says a lot of wine things besides selling wine and marrying wine with your favorite food. And those food and wine marriages, they are good at. We've been doing this for well over 85 years and will continue for a long time to come, I think. And the best part about it is they'll help you marry a wine with your special dish that won't cost very much. And speaking of that, today is hunting opener for waterfowl, and there's all sorts of wonderful little Cote de Rhone's, which is the wine I would pick to have with waterfowl, like duck or goose, and uh, they're usually under $15. So it's a great buy, too. There's a Haskell's near you where you can save big dollars on wine. There's a Haskell's in Bloomington, Excelsior. There's a Haskell down in Faribault right off at 35 Maple Grove Supercellar, not to be missed. In downtown Minneapolis, we have free parking on Saturday and Sunday. There's a Haskell's at Ridgedale, Plymouth, St. Paul's Island Village, Stillwater, White Bear Lake, and Woodbury, too. And if you can't come in, go to Haskell's.com. And don't forget, Haskell's does deliver, and we can deliver anything you want right to your front door. And like I say, they, they'll marry the food and they'll marry it at a very, very good price. You'll be very pleased with it. So whether you're bringing home uh, uh, some mallard ducks for dinner or you've got some goose or you're just plain doing hamburgers on the grill, the folks at Haskell's will help you marry up that dish with some wine and at a reasonable cost. Absolutely. Jack, let's uh, talk again next week if you have the time. You know, Denny, I'm going to look forward to that. Me as well. Thank you so much, Jack Farrell from Haskell's. Get those lawn and garden questions ready. Master Gardener Teresa Rooney will be coming along uh, next hour on our Smart Garden Show. Call or text 651-461-9226. Rain on the way here in CCO land. Stay with us at News Talk 830 WCCO.